The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, and he touched him, and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing that Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. We have been in the beginning parts of Mark seeing Jesus in his earliest stages of ministry as he reveals his authority. We've seen this through Jesus' authoritative word. Mark says that he entered the synagogue there in Capernaum on the Sabbath and began to teach, and that those who were in attendance marveled at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, because his word is authoritative. And then we saw Jesus demonstrate his authority over the spiritual realm as a, as a man in their midst who had been possessed by a demon, began to cry out as that demon took control of his vocal cords. And Jesus, with the word, by his authority, commanded that demon. And that demon had nothing to do but to obey. We saw Jesus exercise his authority over the curse of sin. Over disease. Over sickness. Over illness. As he enters into the house of Simon Peter and finds his mother-in-law there sick with a high fever and at the touch of his hand and the command of his voice, the, the fever obeys and leaves. Jesus is a man of authority, a man unlike any that has come before. And here in Mark chapter 1 verses 40 through 45, in this story, we see Jesus showing his authority over sin itself. And this is seen through his interaction here with a man identified as having leprosy. This is a significant moment in the ministry of Jesus, so much so that this story is recorded in three of the four Gospels. And I believe this is because it serves us as a powerful analogy to the truth of salvation and the restoration that Jesus offers to us through his changing places with us. And to understand everything that's happening in this encounter, we have to understand the place of leprosy within the Jewish culture, the Jewish religion, 
and the, the, the cultural setting of their day. We have to understand the place of leprosy. We also have to understand as well God's law as it pertained to this disease. This man is identified here as a leper. In the Hebrew, this word for leprosy would be used to describe really any skin ailment. What we know today as leprosy is called Hansen's disease. And this was certainly a disease that was present in their day. It was certainly a disease that was present in ancient days. It's believed that leprosy as we know it um, originated in Egypt. It's been found um, in mummies from ancient Egyptian times. And it was one of the most feared diseases in the ancient world. With this disease came immediate social isolation and ostracization. That's a hard word. Ostracization. If you had leprosy, the effects of it would be evident to all those around you. The skin of the leper would become very thick. It would become scaly. Where it was prevalent on the skin, it the skin loses its color, it turns gray or white. The hair is affected around those areas of your skin where they would turn white and lose their pigment as well. Places on the skin where leprosy would be present would eventually become sores, would not heal. The person's eyebrows and eyelashes would fall out as there is pronounced swelling that takes place along the eyes and the ears. Eventually, for the one who has leprosy, it would attack and affect the nerve endings so that the person with leprosy would eventually get to the point to where they would have numbness in their extremities and feel no pain. And there are records of people who have leprosy reaching into a, a fire and grabbing a hot coal. Not being able to feel the pain, eventually, this would add to the sores and the skin damage as they injured themselves unknowingly. These sores would reek of a strong and repulsive odor the entire body would eventually show effects of the disease. Socially, a leper was not to come into contact with any other person. They had to stay, this is by Jewish law, they had to stay at least six feet away from another person. On a windy day, that would be up to 150 feet. If someone would get close to a person who had leprosy, the leper would have to cover their mouths and raise their voices and cry out, unclean, unclean. God himself 
gave laws in the Old Testament concerning the treatment of those who have leprosy and to understand fully what's taking place, what's happening here in Mark chapter 1. We have to understand God's laws as they pertain to leprosy and why it is God gave those laws. Leviticus 13 is an entire chapter devoted to laws surrounding that of leprosy. And I don't want to read them all. I do want to read the first 14 verses just to get a sense of of God's laws here. And then verses 45 and 46. Leviticus 13 starting in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priests, and the priest shall examine the disease area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. And when the priest has examined him, he shall, not, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is, is white in the skin of his body and appears to be no deeper than the skin and the hair is not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if his eyes... The disease is checked and the disease is not spread in the skin. Then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. The priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded and the disease is not spread in the skin, then the the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It's only an eruption. It's only an infection. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin... After he has shown himself to the priest for its cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest. And the priest shall look. And if the eruption is spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It's a leprous disease. And when a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall look. And if there is white swelling in his skin, and this turned his hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is chronic leprous disease in the skin of his body. And the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. And the leprous disease breaks out on the skin, so the leprous disease covers all of the skin of the diseased person from head to foot. So far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and if the leprous disease covered all of his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It is all turned white, he is clean. But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And on and on and on and on and on it goes of A person with a skin disease, a skin ailment coming to the priest and the priest inspecting him. Praise God, we don't still have that requirement on us. And then the priest is to determine whether this man, this woman is clean or unclean based on the state of the disease. And if unclean, then Shut up, put away in quarantine for seven days. Looked at again another seven days. Back and forth, back and forth. Has it spread? Is it spreading? Is it leprosy? Is it not leprosy? You are either clean or you are unclean. Pronounced um, by by the priest. Verse forty-five. The leprous person 
who has this disease shall wear torn clothing and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You also see this in Numbers chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. And the people of Israel did so and put them outside the camp as the Lord said to Moses, so the people of Israel did. So in the Old Testament, you had laws and rules and regulations of how you are to deal with a person who is, um, has a, a skin disease, an ailment such as leprosy. You also have... A discharge, leprosy, and death mentioned. Now, those three are important. And those are three that are going to play central roles in Jesus' ministry. And, and God's laws pertain to what to do with this person who is unclean. But not only that, what to do with any person who has come into contact with someone who is unclean. And what was to be done with them is they were to be taken outside of the camp. That is, they're to be taken outside of the people of God. So the people of God dwell here and someone with a, a, a discharge, a skin disease, or that's had contact with a dead person is to be removed from the people of God, separated from the people of God, and placed outside the camp, outside the people of God. This was God's command to his people on how to deal with people who have these issues. Now, here's the question. Why would God do that? Why would God say that? All the way back in Leviticus and in Numbers, all the way through here to the Gospel of Mark, this has taken place. Why would God say that? Because that, that seems awfully cruel. I believe there are a couple of reasons why God did this. And the first reason is a practical reason. And that is to stop or to slow the spread of disease. We understand that more now than probably ever before. That when there is a diseased person, the best way to slow the spread of that disease and to protect others is through social isolation. And so there is a practical reason it slows the spread of the disease. But that is not the only reason. Because in this, there is also theological reasons. You see, these laws that are found in Leviticus and in Numbers of taking people who are diseased with leprosy and removing them from the people of 
God. These laws were designed to teach the people of God that God is present and God is holy. God is present and God is holy. So this is what God says in Numbers. You, you see it in verse 3. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. Because God is present with his people, there cannot be in his presence defilement because he is holy. He is holy. He can not dwell with defilement. It's because God is present with them and because God is holy in their presence, those who have been defiled cannot be in his presence. And this is the language that is used throughout Leviticus and Numbers, the language of defilement, putting them outside the camp that they may not defile the camp. And this is important to us as we understand what's happening here in Mark chapter 1 because no other disease came to be as analogous with sin as leprosy. Leprosy came to represent sin. To sin in the scriptures is to be defiled. Sin defiles you. Just as leprosy or a discharge or the touching of a dead person, all mentioned there in Numbers, just as all of those things defiled you, and caused you to be removed from the people of God, from the presence of God, so does sin. And just as leprosy defiles the whole body, so does sin. And just as leprosy spreads and defiles all who touch it, so does Sin. This is why there are strict laws concerning those who touch a leper or someone with a discharge or a dead person or something that is touched or has come into contact with a, a, a leper or a person with a discharge or a dead person that they would, through their touching of it, be made unclean. And therefore, being defiled would have to be removed and put outside the camp. And this is what sin does. Sin excludes us from the presence of God. And God says, take them outside the camp because this is where I dwell. So do you see the analogy here? You see the theological reasons of why God is, is saying, do this. Because this is what we've seen as the effects of sin. Do you realize that this is what we see in the very first sin? Adam and Eve created in the image and the likeness of God. 
dwelling in harmony and holiness with God in the presence of God until what? Until sin defiled them. And then what happened to them? They were taken outside the camp. They were taken outside the garden. They were removed from the presence of God because God is holy and those who are defiled cannot be in his holy presence. They're taken outside the garden. We see it in the very beginning. But not only do we see it in the very beginning, we also see it in the very end. This is Revelation 21, Apostle John's vision of the things that were to come. In Revelation 21, verse 8, John records what he sees and he says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. What is this? Showing us, what is this telling us? That the morally defiled will not dwell in the new Jerusalem. Because in the new Jerusalem, there will be the presence of a holy God. And those who have been defiled by sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God. And therefore, must be taken outside the camp, outside the presence of God. And in the end, where they'll be taken to is the lake of fire. And so there was practical reasons for the separation of people with leprosy. But there is also deep theological reasons to show us that God is present and God is holy. So there's practical, there's theological, but there's also Christological reasons. All the way back in... Leviticus and in Numbers to lay the foundation and the groundwork so that Jesus could show on this day the work that he has come to do. And that's what we see in this text. We see a foreshadowing of the cross through Jesus' encounter with this man with leprosy. So all of that plays into this story. Now, verse 40, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And so here comes this leper, driven by desperation, breaking every law and cultural norm. This action would have been shocking to those who were there that day. The Jews would have been thinking and probably saying, Don't touch him, Jesus. If you touch him, you're going to be unclean. If you touch him, then you've got to go outside the camp. Don't touch him. He's unclean and you'll be unclean. And the crowd would have been outraged by this man who breaks past a six-foot barrier, comes straight to Jesus and falls, Mark says, kneeling 
Luke says falling on his face before Jesus. The crowd would have been outraged at this. And Jesus would have had every reason to be outraged as well. But what did he do? Mark tells us in verse 41 that he was moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. And he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus showed in that moment that he was willing to touch even those who no one else would ever be willing to get close to. Jesus, moved with compassion, moved with pity, stretches out his hand and he touches him and something amazing happens. And it's not that this man's disease was just healed. That's not what is amazing. The amazing thing that happens is Jesus reaches out and touches him and Jesus doesn't become unclean. The man becomes clean. That's what's amazing. Jesus moves with pity, reaches out and touches this man. And in that moment, Jesus doesn't become unclean. But instead, this man before their eyes becomes clean. Because Jesus' holiness was more contagious than this man's uncleanness. Jesus' purity was greater than this man's defilement. And so Jesus reaches out and touches him, and that man's made clean, and Jesus is not made unclean. You see, this tells us something about Jesus. This tells us that Jesus is able to do what the ceremonial law could not do. You see, the law never told the people of God how to make someone clean. If you go back to Leviticus 13 and you look at God's rules and regulations, there is never instruction given to the priest on how to make that person clean. There is only instruction of what to do after examining that person to see if they are unclean or if they're not unclean. But that Old Testament priest had no ability to make that leper clean. Only Jesus can make us clean. And he reaches out and he touches him. And in that moment, that man is made clean. And Jesus is not made unclean. And I can imagine those standing around going, Who is this man? Who is this man? Who is this man who has the authority to reach out and to touch a leper? And for the leper to be made clean and for Jesus to not be made unclean. Who is this man? Well, he is the only son of God made flesh and the only mediator between God and man. And he is the one who has come to take our place outside the camp. 
and to touch our defilement so that we can be made clean. That's who he is. That's what he's come to do. He's come to touch our defilement so that we can be made clean. And he's come to take our place outside the camp, outside the presence of God, so that we could be brought into the presence of God. Let's keep reading verse 43. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So go do what Leviticus 13 commands, but don't say anything to anybody because Jesus knows what's going to happen. But what happens? But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer enter a town but was out in desolate places. What's happened? Jesus and this leper have changed places. The leper who was sent out of the camp to be away from the people of God and to be away from the presence of God is now clean and in the people of God and symbolically in the presence of God and Jesus who was with the people of God is now where? Out in desolate places. They've changed places. This is what the Hebrew writer talks about in Hebrews 13. Starting in verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. This is the cross. Jesus suffered outside the camp. Now, literally outside the gates of Jerusalem, but figuratively and spiritually with the more theological view, outside of the presence of God. What happened there with Jesus on the cross? Father, why have you forsaken me? The presence of God leaves Jesus as the sins of the world are pressed onto him. Jesus is taking outside the camp, outside the presence of God so that we who are defiled can enter into his presence. This is why this story in Mark chapter 1 is illustrative of Jesus' authority over sin itself. Because Jesus can reach out 
and he can touch every defilement. And you will be made clean. And he will not become unclean. What this means for every one of us is that Jesus can handle any of your defilement. Jason, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I've said. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the things that I've thought. You don't know the things that have happened to me. You don't know the the sin that's present in me. God would never accept me. This shows us that Jesus can touch any defilement and make you clean. There is more forgiveness in God than there is sin in you that needs forgiving. There is nothing that Jesus can't touch in you and you not be made clean. Nothing. Nothing. It was common in Jesus' day to For people to say it was more difficult to raise a dead man than it was to cure leprosy. But Jesus, because he has all authority, is able to reach out, move with compassion and to touch and to make clean. And what we see in this story is this is what he can do in every one of us. Reach out and make us clean. Why? Because for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And this is what we see in this story. Jesus moved with compassion reaches out and makes him clean but Jesus doesn't become unclean because now God has been made flesh and his presence and his holiness is in our midst the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.